We'll be reading from verse 38 in chapter 5 to the end of the chapter, verse 48. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your jacket, let him have your cloak or shirt also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. (laughs) That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to talk about principles. Jesus talks about them. The Scripture talks about principles. Principles are different than behavior or beliefs. Principles are what you own as true and your values that guide what you do. When you become a believer, your principles change. They become Christ-oriented principles. Christ-like in nature. However, just because you love Jesus and belong to Him doesn't mean the world has changed. It's still the same old world, still tough, still wants what it wants, still greedy, still lustful, angry, bitter, and broken. And it will question your principles if you line up with Christ. And the funny thing is, it should rather be questioning its own. If you're not like other people wanting to look out for big number one all the time, and you're starting to look out for people around you, people are going to say, no, you've got to take care of you and your own, let everybody else go their own way. God never said that. Jesus didn't teach that, but it's a natural reaction to self-preservation and survival. This is what even animals do. It is instinctual, but it is not from God as a godly character or principle. You see, the norms of society are not normal behavior for a believer. I'll try that again in case you didn't want to hear that. I didn't hear a whole lot of Yeah, that's right. The norms of society are not normal behavior for a believer. 
I hope you agree with me. Society is not holy. This world is not after your best interests. If they say they are, they're asking for your money. That's usually a guaranteed uh, something you can bank on. Literally. Um, Let me give you an example of something that was a societal saying and belief and people thought, well, this is scriptural because everybody said it back at the time of Christ. And it was this. Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. You'd say, wait a minute, no, it's in the Bible. Jesus is not quoting Scripture with the hate your enemy. It doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture except here where Jesus is quoting what people say. Now let me tell you where that saying came from. It came from the temple. They took the phrase when God said, love your neighbor, to mean you didn't have to love your enemy. You see, love your neighbor, of course, love who's close, but hate your enemy who's at a distance. So that's what they did. They twisted the gospel. They take what God said through the prophets, through His Word, and said, this is what you do. You love your neighbor, but everybody else, if you want to hate them, go ahead. They're not your neighbor. So that's what Jesus picks up on, is that saying in our text today. It was a common teaching. That's what was funny about it, is everybody believed this was right to do. When Jesus started saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that was a different way of thinking for people. Their idea was do unto others before they do unto you. More negative instead of positive. Your norms or your principles are how you engage people. What are your norms or principles for engaging in someone you do not get along with or that you consider unfriendly or even an enemy? Jesus said your norm should be to love your enemy. Um, But then He tells us how. It's bad enough He tells us we've got to do it. The worst part is He tells us how. He says we've got to love them, bless them, pray for them and do good to them. We go, I love them from a distance. Jesus doesn't say that. He says you've got to pray for them and bless them and do good to them. Well, the last thing I'll do is do good for my enemy that makes my enemy even stronger going to want to destroy me further. One person said the best way to uh, love your enemy is turn him into a friend. That's not always possible. He see, he says, love, bless, pray, do good. This is in the passage today. To your enemies, to those who persecute you and spitefully use you. It's the last thing we want to do. It sounds like what we would do for our family, not for a neighbor. So, what about a neighbor? How do you treat your neighbor? What's okay? What's not okay? Better question I want to ask you is who is your neighbor? Jesus was asked what his principles are one day when someone asked him, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus' response showed what his principles are. He said there are two. 
The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Which on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Do these things and you will fulfill the law of God. And when he answered that, they were surprised by that. But it's the same two answers that most people give. Now, if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments and you know them in order, let me ask you, where is love your neighbor as you love yourself found? Is it in the Ten Commandments? It's not. So where did Jesus get it from? The first one that He shared is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where the God is commanding you will love your neighbor as yourself. And if you look in that section when you get time, right before it, it tells you how. He tells you what to do with your crops, with your uh, harvesting, with how you treat the people around you, um, and not to bear false witness against them, all these different things. And it says also, in Leviticus chapter 19, that you shall never accuse your neighbor of falsehood. It also says this, that if you do not correct your neighbor, God will hold it on you for not doing it. And then he says in the next verse, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <coughs> Interesting, isn't it? But the same question that Jesus was asked, Jesus asked somebody else, what do you say? How do you inherit eternal life? Now, here's an interesting part of this story we don't always answer. Is The person who asked that question of Jesus, he said, came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him with a question. What does the law say? How do you read it? And he says, Well, you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus says, Very good. Do that and you will live. And the man, who was a lawyer, wanting to justify himself, if you know what I mean, on the screen we got him and says, Teacher, what shall I do? He wanted to justify himself. Now let me explain to you what that means. An attorney or a lawyer was looking for a loophole in the law. <laughs> We're always looking for loopholes. He wanted one. So he says, who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I have it for you on the screen. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. So when the lawyer comes up to him, he says, What shall I do? And he says, what should, What's written in the law? And then in verse 30, Jesus tells the story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, basically beat him senseless, and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you need, when I come again, I will repay you. I will make it good. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The attorney answers, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, you do the same. Go and do likewise. Now, let me take you a little further into the story of the Good Samaritan. It will help you understand what we're talking about. A Samaritan was considered an outcast, an enemy. A priest and a Levite were considered people of the temple, of the um, God connection. Those two passed by. But the one who stopped was what was considered an enemy. And, and it's okay that the person who's an enemy stopped by, but the problem is that the man who was wounded was a Jew from Jerusalem. And so, in the story, the enemy is helping someone who calls that person the enemy. Laying there half dead, his enemy helps him. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the opinion of that Samaritan enemy would be of the man once he got well? Is he still an enemy? He's cared for him. He's done good for him. He probably prayed for him. He made up any extra expense the innkeeper would have had in caring for him. He took care of it all as an enemy. I think that man would trust him more than he would the priest of the Levite if he had known they'd pass by. Most of the time, though, it's kind of sad to say is most of the folks who pass by, don't, you don't know if they're a believer or not. You have no idea when we pass by broken or whoever passes by if they're a priest or Levite, a Christian or not. They're just part of the crowd that doesn't care. So, when Jesus asks the question at the end of the story, He says, who is the neighbor? And the Samaritan says, well, his enemy was his neighbor. Uh-oh. Now we have a problem, don't we? Because if we have to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and the enemy is our neighbor who loved us because we were wounded and broken on the side of the road, that means all of a sudden the enemy is someone we have to love. And Jesus puts it out there like that. I believe the lawyer really wanted to exclude people he didn't want to love when he asked that question. And there are people we don't want to love. 
And I'll bet you want to exclude them from the neighbor thing. You see, the Samaritan stopped and he served as the first responder, the ER crew, the doctor, and the long-term caregiver. And he paid someone else to do it when he couldn't be there. It was at his expense, no pay, out of compassion. It's a story of an enemy loving an enemy. Making an enemy a neighbor. So Samaritan with the lawyer was hated under the lover neighbor hate your enemy principle. Jesus says, I'm changing that principle. I say, love your enemies. When Jesus asked him and he said, the one who had mercy on him, he said, go and do that. Who is your neighbor? In today's passage, we look, and in verse 41, it talks about a second mile where he says, if someone compels you to go one mile, go with him too. In verse 41. And now, let me share with you what that's all about. In that day and time, a Roman soldier could thrust his pack on any given citizen or non-citizen of any country and say, carry this one mile. Had to do it. By penalty of death, but he didn't. And Jesus says, if this happens to you, go with him too. Now we get this phrase, second mile Christian, from this passage. Someone who goes the extra mile. I want to tell you something. A second mile person shouldn't be doing something extraordinary. It was not Jesus' intention for us to stand out from other believers, but from non-believers. That every believer should go the second mile. Not just some of them. If you're not a second mile Christian, Jesus would say, are you living out the Gospel? He would challenge you to think about that. In verses 44 and 45, He begins to tell us how we need to relate to others as sons of God. You may not like these verses, but this is where He says, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That, the result of this, not the other way around, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. When you do this, you show who you worship. Because your Father in heaven causes rain and sun on good and evil. He shows no partiality. He blesses both. He doesn't say to the wicked, your crops won't grow. You get no rain and sun. I'm putting a circle around where the sun and rain can't get to. He doesn't do that. Everybody gets it. Grace from God. Love from God. 
And then he says something in medals in verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have for that? Don't even the tax collectors do that. In other words, just because you love somebody who already loves you, what good is that? How are you better than a non-believer? What is different about you? Now listen, it doesn't say love others in the same way you would have them love you. He's saying these are people who love you. Who you know love you. It's not hard to love people who already love you. Most of us speak affectionately of our parents because they loved us. Love is the key word here. But they love us first, and so we love them back. But when someone doesn't love us, can we love them first? That's the question he asks, and that's a little harder. And in verse 47, this is where he drives it home. And if you greet the brothers only, you know, people who you know and like, how's that any better than anybody else? What they would do is they would socially stay in their circle. That's what they stayed in. They would not get out of it. And so he's saying there, if you act like worldly people, what more have you done? Now this word more, I wanted to check it out to see if maybe there was a trick here. You know, what more? And the word more is the Greek word parisas. It means beyond measure. Or above and beyond. Superior quality. That kind of more. So he's saying, what have you done that's better or above the quality of anybody else if all you're doing is greeting people who you know and ignoring people you don't want to talk to? How are you exceedingly, abundantly going above and beyond? And here's the funny thing. Jesus said this should be a natural principle for you when you belong to God. That you shouldn't have to force it or fake it. That's where it meddles. He says we have a higher standard. Don't you? Who is your neighbor? God created people. We make them enemies. Hear that. God created people. We make them enemies. He created all and loves all equally. And here's the interesting thing. We're all broken. Half dead in our sin and trespasses. And here comes Jesus' as first responder. The ER crew. The doctor and long-term caregiver to your enemies. <laughs> Jesus is going to your enemies. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's my Jesus. You, you can't have Him. You know, you're not, you're not godly. You can't have Jesus. No, no, Jesus. That's, Jesus says, I love all equally. He's going to their aid. He's going to help them. He's going to bring them eternal life and make them children of God if they will allow it. And for some of us, that just grates because we don't think they deserve it because we don't like our enemies, let alone love them. 
You see, when we refuse to love our enemy, we say our principles are not His. Jesus' principles. We say, I know better for me than what Jesus is teaching in this passage. (laughs) Well, which of us, Jesus or you, is correct in their principles? Um, That's not a trick question. Who is your neighbor? Who needs grace the most? Sometimes it's you so you can help love your enemy and people you don't want to love. Jesus includes everyone in the one who needs grace the most and compassion and love. All need mercy. We're all in the same boat. We all can agree. Everybody's in the same boat. We all need Jesus. We all need grace. But as soon as our enemies get that, we go, wait a minute, you know, I, I meant, well, you know, it's a good idea for all, but not, not for, no. Not. And we all of a sudden want to put the brakes on it because something good is happening to someone we don't like. God, why are you blessing that person? David cried out in the Psalms over and over again, God, why are you letting the wicked prosper year after year? And the righteous cry out. We all need mercy. But especially you. And especially me. Let me ask you this. To whom have you lost your mercy and compassion toward? Can you think of anybody? Or a group of people? Sometimes it's hard in the work I do to not get on to my clients when they get in my vehicle and they haven't showered because they don't have a place to shower. Or they can't afford it. Or they don't have washing machines to wear clean clothes very often. And and I just want to say, I, I don't know how to get you a job. That's what I do. I help people find work. How do I present you to an employer when the employer is going to say, without question, you don't smell good enough to serve food. You don't smell good enough to sell things to people. How am I going to hire you? What am I supposed to say to the client? How do I respond to that? And here's what happens. In that moment, the business and the job is more important to the employer than the person in front of them. How do you handle that? What do you tell someone who you see wasting their life away, hurting, and they you, they may not know it, and they may know it? How do you handle it, you know, man? You know, just sit over there and get some air haulers. What do you do? Jesus says, mercy and compassion is how you neighborly love that person. You might say, you know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you need some help with laundry? Can I buy you some hygiene? Stuff. Have you run out? Because in my heart, I want to help you. I want to bless you. But it seems like you've lost the money and you spent it on other things or you just don't have any income. What, what's going on in your life? You've got to get to know them. You can't just judge someone without knowing their shoes. It says, walk a mile in my moccasins before you ever say a thing about how I live. 
Find out who they are. Love them like family. We love our family despite their quirks and craziness because we know them. We spend time with them. You know, even the black sheep in the family, we still love them. They're still family. We're still going to defend them and support them because they're family. Jesus says, same deal for your enemies. Oh, wait a minute. But I don't want to support and love them. Don't have to want to. Jesus didn't ask you to want to. He asked you to have the mind of Christ and the heart of God. And He loves them. And He'll do it through you. If you'll just let go of how you see the world and take on Jesus' principles. You say, well, that sounds tough. Well, it's because you can't do it. He has to put Himself inside you. He has to give you the Holy Spirit because of a fact and of the truth. Most of the stuff Jesus asks us to do, we can't do. And now I'm not saying you can't love someone. I'm saying that most of it you can't do to the extent Jesus is asking. Everything rising up against us, as soon as Jesus says it, goes against it because it's the world has taught us that that's okay. I'm here to tell you, it's not okay to disregard people just because of something you don't like. Nowhere in Scripture does it say there are people God disregards. Nowhere. He loves children, the elderly, middle-aged, the youth, the broken, the sick, the poor, the blind, the lame, those who are smart, those who aren't so smart, those who get a clue and so those who are clueless, God loves them all. Somewhere in that category, we all fall. And I promise you that anybody who had the resources in their life would not walk around wearing clothes they couldn't wash. If they had access, if they had ability or money or items that could help them, they would do it. You say, oh, I don't know. Some people, they don't care. No, they care. They just stop trying because nobody else cared. So why should they love themselves if nobody else does? <laughs> Remember, Scripture says we love first, not second. We love others first. So who have you lost your mercy and compassion toward? Who you gotten frustrated with, given up on, left by the wayside, the dredges of society? May it not be so named the soul that walks in this building that they are the category we've given up on. May everybody who walks in this building find a home here, a place where they're loved and cared for. Oh, yeah. Let me not forget this part. You need Jesus to do it. And you have to have a relationship with Him or you're going to go by the world's standards of loving your neighbor and hating your enemy. I promise you, many religions teach it's okay to hate. ISIS 
is based on that principle that it's okay to hate people who are enemies of their God. And they get to choose who they are (laughs) instead of God choosing who it is. So if you've lost compassion and mercy on anybody this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to repent. I'm going to ask for mercy because you're bringing yourself under judgment. And you need to ask God to take away the bitterness in your heart toward whoever that might be. Do you really think your ungodly principles and attitude toward people that you do not like is acceptable to God? How are you going to justify that when He asks you, why were you like that? Especially when Jesus said, love, bless, pray, and do good for them. It's in the scripture. We read it as the passage. From the heart of God to us. Now what do we do this morning with God's heart? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and ask you to search me. To search each one of us as we're willing. To check our hearts. Open every page and every book in our heart. Walk through every room, every section of us. Walk through our minds, our thoughts. And God, show us where we need to come before you and repent for some things that we've thought, done, or not done. Heavenly Father, one of the worst things we've done in our lives is not done something that nobody else would hear. God, I'm asking you to forgive us for sins of omission. For having an opportunity to do good and not do good. Heavenly Father, forgive us for that. Restore